Welcome to Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur, where I drink, discuss, and discover the world of distilled spirits. I'm your host, Matt Burchard. This is episode 18, and I'm drinking Crater Lake Hazelnut Espresso Vodka. For each episode of Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur, you should expect that I'll be well-researched and educational. I also hope to be entertaining and consistent in my reviews. I created this podcast as a way to keep a New Year's resolution to myself, which is to drink more. I enjoy the flavors of distilled spirits, and particularly the stories behind various brands. I chose Crater Lake Hazelnut Espresso Vodka for this episode because it's a bit of a local favorite of mine. It's made in my home state, and I visited the distillery in the past. I've sampled the spirit there along with a notable cocktail that I'll talk about later on. Plus, my wife really likes this one, so this bottle will be shared. I also need to thank James Padilla, who is the national sales manager for Ben Distillery, who is the maker of Crater Lake Hazelnut Espresso Vodka. I have to thank him for his time and sharing the story of the spirit with me so that I can relate it to you. So, I've got a bottle of Crater Lake Hazelnut Espresso Vodka here in my hands. It is a standard 750 milliliter bottle. It is 25% alcohol by volume, making it 50 proof. And it retails for around $20 to $22. But, is it a liquor or a liqueur? Well, that depends, and I'll talk more about it in its history, but it's sold as a vodka, and that's where you're going to find it in the liquor store, is with the vodkas. All right, let's open this bottle up. Uh, so the bottle has a paper strap, and I'll post a couple photos on social media. It includes a hand-numbered batch number. This is, if I'm reading it correctly, batch number 407. So let's get this strap off. It has a stopper. Ooh, that's a pop. <laughs> All right, let's go for a pour. There we go. And with every spirit I taste, I taste it neat at room temperature. And I use a nosing glass, which is a tulip-shaped glass, primarily used in whiskey is where you'll typically see them. But I use it for all the spirits that I try on this podcast. It allows the aromas to gather at the top, and you can get a good nosing of it. And right away on the nose, even just from the pour, it smells like hazelnut, coffee, sweetness, yeah, it's a low proof, so I don't really get any ethanol burn. But yeah, it is sweet hazelnut coffee. So hazelnut espresso, aptly named. And color-wise, it is coffee. It looks like coffee. Uh, a little bit of a thin coffee, perhaps. It's not black, really, but it's got the color of coffee. And now, let's give it a taste. <laughs> yep a little bit of a lingering kind of alcohol burn as i swallow it but on the palate it is hazelnut forward first then sweetness then a bit of espresso you don't taste the alcohol you feel the alcohol but you don't taste it yeah that's <laughs> that's nice as i remember I must have had hazelnut on my mind because it just occurred to me that episode 16, just two episodes ago, I featured Frangelico, which is a pure hazelnut liqueur. This being a hazelnut espresso vodka is different, but there are absolute similarities with the hazelnut sweetness flavor. 
And one last flavor note is there's no bitterness to it. I am a black coffee drinker. I drink four or five cups a day of coffee. I drink a lot of coffee, but I drink it black and I don't mind it bitter. I feature tomorrow's as well on this podcast, so I enjoy bitter drinks, but this Crater Lake Hazelnut Espresso Vodka is not bitter. So let's dive into history. Crater Lake Hazelnut Espresso Vodka is the official name. That's five words, and it's a bit of a mouthful. I'll probably shorten it just to hazelnut or hazelnut espresso as I go. Um, Add to that the fact that it's a product of Ben Distillery, and you've got a bit of potential for brand confusion. Ben Distillery itself deserves a bit of a backstory as setup to hazelnut espresso coming onto the scene. Ben Distillery was founded in Bend, Oregon in 1996, so at the time of this recording, that makes the company almost 25 years old. They're 24 currently. Ben Distillery was founded by Jim Bendis, and the name Ben Distillery is a conjecture of Jim's last name, Bendis, with Tillery added on. That's officially why it is named Ben Distillery. However, there's a bit of a double meaning because the distillery is located in Bend, Oregon, so it could also stand for Bend Distillery, with the two words kind of smashed together, just being Ben Distillery. Jim Bendis was living in Bend, a city in central Oregon that resembles a bit of a well-heeled ski town resort now. Uh, Bend is situated in what's referred to as the High Desert, famous for nearly 300 days of sunshine a year and a volcanic landscape where Apollo astronauts once trained. Bend and central Oregon as a whole is a haven for outdoor enthusiasts with hiking trails, skiing, mountain biking, camping, rafting, etc., There's also plenty of microbreweries in Bend, and if you like beer, you can visit the Bend Ale Trail, touring the breweries to sample their drafts. The story goes that in the mid-90s, Jim Bendis was seeing the growth of microbreweries, them starting to pop up and have success, and he's a man that is known for athletics and enjoys long-distance running as a bit of a hobby for one. And he was out for a run and noticed all the juniper trees growing throughout the region. So Jim wondered why nobody was making gin with the abundant juniper. So he tried doing it himself at home, looking to see if he could maybe replicate the microbrewery fad or new scene with a micro distillery. The thing was, at the time, Oregon didn't have any laws on the books that allowed for micro distilleries in the way that Jim Bendis wanted to do it. So he worked to change the Oregon laws and create a space for him to create, legally, a micro distillery. Jim didn't invent distilling in the state of Oregon, though. Ben Distillery is the third oldest distillery in Oregon. The oldest is Hood River Distillers, which is big and launched right after Prohibition, so they were grandfathered in, quite literally. The second oldest is Clear Creek Distillery, which was founded in 1985, and they're famous for making pear brandies with a pear grown in a bottle. That's rather expensive, but actually Clear Creek has been owned by Hood River Distillers since 2014, so they're now one and the same. But at the time that Ben Distillery was created, these were the only two distilleries in the state. So Jim Bendis's work really allowed for the growth of microdistillation in the state of Oregon, and we have him to thank for a whole slew of microdistillers and craft uh, makers that have grown up in this state. And by all accounts, I would say that Jim Bendis was successful in achieving the goal that he set out, which was to create a microdistillery and create great products. 
As with most distilleries, the first products sold were vodka and gin. This is because from a production standpoint, they're pretty much ready to bottle right out of the still. You've got to cut them with water to get to bottling proof. Gin is essentially flavored vodka, so it's ready to go right away as well. The first two products, the vodka and the gin, were given Oregon natural landmark names. So the vodka was dubbed Crater Lake Vodka, and the gin was named Cascade Mountain Gin. The second wave of products came a few years after the distillery was established, and this included the Hazelnut Espresso Vodka. The Hazelnut owes its existence to experimentation in the tasting rooms. They were doing a lot of infusions with, you know, I presume large glass carboys of various mixed additives with the Crater Lake Vodka, and they were using this for cocktails in the tasting room, really just experimenting with what they could do to flavor the vodka that they were already making. And the hazelnut espresso really took off. It was something that became very popular and moved to a permanent place on the tasting room menu. And then it transitioned to be a bottled product joining the Crater Lake Vodka and the Cascade Mountain Gin. At the same time, a pepper vodka named Manzama Pepper Vodka, which itself was a result of Bloody Mary ingredient infusion experiments, made it to bottling along with the hazelnut. And this was around 2001. Breaking a bit from the naming nomenclature, the Hazelnut Espresso Vodka didn't have its own location name. It used Crater Lake for the vodka that was in it as the name. So it was Crater Lake Hazelnut Espresso Vodka originally. It did end up suffering from a bit of an identity crisis early on. Uh, one of the things was early labels had a coffee cup and a font selection that I can only best describe as hyper-caffeinated, along with a silhouette of a man with his arms up. So it was a little bit of a, a crazy, you know, early 2000s label, I guess I would describe it. But not long after introduction, it was wholly rebranded and named Kofia which was spelled C-O-F-I-A. It had a much simpler label with a yellow and orange motif that really made the product look similar to Kahlua. And I think that there was an intention to make it a Kahlua competitor. And that was the effect they were going for. But Kofia didn't last that long. Bed Distillery does have a few bottles of it for reference, and it's interesting to see. Around 2011, there was a need to realign the brands as the distiller's product range had continued to grow, and individual brands for each flavor didn't really help the whole enterprise. Crater Lake Vodka was the most popular product at the time, so all Ben Distillery products were standardized under the Crater Lake name, except for their whiskey. They're all bottled in the same clear glass bottle with a label design that depicts Crater Lake with a color scheme distinct for each flavor. And all Ben Distillery products now line up nicely in the vodka section of a liquor store. And I'm sure this standardization led to increased sales and better consumer recognition of their brands. Despite the various name changes, I'm told that what is in the bottle has remained unchanged. It's the same recipe from the start. The Hazelnut Espresso Vodka is the largest seller outside of the state of Oregon for Ben Distillery. It's available in more than 20 states, and they sell around 1,300 cases a year, just over 109 liter equivalent cases per month. And the Hazelnut is also featured on Alaska Airlines flights. Well, it was pre-pandemic when you could still get a drink on an airline flight, but the distillery does still get near daily inquiries from people who first tried the Hazelnut Espresso on an Alaska flight and are looking for more. 
Unfortunately, Crater Lake can't ship hazelnut espresso vodka to anybody that inquires. That's because we're in a control state. Oregon is one of 17 U.S. states that have government-run distribution of distilled spirits and sometimes beer and wine sales. There are advantages, however, to Crater Lake. The big advantage is when you're first starting out, if you get the state to accept your product for sale, then it's available immediately in all liquor stores throughout the state, at least if the liquor store wants to order it, but it is available for sale. That's counter to other states that are non-control states where it's a much more arduous sales process of getting distribution via wholesalers and into individual liquor stores. So there are definite advantages for the distiller in a control state. One additional note on the label for hazelnut espresso vodka, Ben Distillery uses all ACL labels or applied ceramic labels. This is a labeling process that fuses ceramic paint to the glass bottle through a baked-on process. It creates a high-gloss, durable, raised printing feel on the bottle that never chips and holds up to abuse. You may be more familiar with an ACL label on a beer bottle. This is often done because beer is submerged in ice water and a paper label will easily come off, but an ACL label is much more rare on a vodka bottle. So how do they make it? Crater Lake Hazelnut Espresso Vodka starts with coffee and a lot of coffee. Originally, there was a local Bend, Oregon coffee house and roaster named Duke Lowe's that was roasting the coffee for Bend Distillery, but as the owner was retiring, he transferred the recipe and technique to another local coffee firm, which is Sisters Coffee, based in Sisters, Oregon. Sisters Coffee was founded in 1989, and they've been roasting ever since. They have one retail location outside of Central Oregon, which just so happens to be three blocks from where I live here in the Pearl District of Portland. So that's a coincidence to say the least. So anyway, Sisters Coffee roasts the coffee beans, then they grind it, and while the grind is still warm, they add the pure hazelnut oil to flavor the coffee. This is apparently how almost all flavored coffee is done. You roast the beans, grind them, and then you apply your flavor agent to it, which in the case of this product is a pure hazelnut oil. Sisters Coffee also provides some whole bean, and they send the ready-to-brew coffee to Ben Distillery. Originally, Ben Distillery was simply using a large commercial coffee maker producing about 12 gallons at a time, but due to the volume required, it eventually became nearly a full-time job for somebody who all day just was brewing coffee so they had enough to make the flavored vodka. This labor-intensive system didn't last very long though, and now Ben Distillery is using one of their stills to boil the water and make huge batches of coffee. It's sort of a giant French press method that the production crew at the distillery worked out themselves. They use a forklift and 300 gallon totes for the process, doing four totes worth at a time, so around 1,200 gallons of hazelnut espresso is brewed up. To each of the 300 gallons of coffee in each tote, they add some brown sugar and mix it in. Then they cool the coffee and add the vodka to get to bottling proof of 25% ABV or 50 proof. To the batch, they'll also then steep a large bag of the whole beans for three or four days. It's almost a bit of a cold brew process, but after that, it's ready to bottle. One of the things I find really interesting is that it's the sweetened hazelnut espresso only that dilutes the vodka to bottling proof. So you have a product that's mostly coffee with vodka and a touch of brown sugar. 
You've got real flavorings, no chemicals, and while there is a recipe and they measure the ingredients in the mix, blending is pretty much left up to the production manager and foreman on shift to sample the spirit and make sure they get it just right. I'm told they also use the prior batch as a control for the flavor, but it really is an artisan craft production process that they're working to scale up because the hazelnut espresso vodka has become so popular. The vodka component, though, can't be left out. It's distilled from Bed Distillery's own grain. It's corn-based, and they grow most of it themselves. At the distillery, you can sometimes get really rare, small-batch runs of estate-bottled products that never make it outside for distribution. But we're left with the question of, is this a liquor or a liqueur? Legally, it's a liquor, even though by many definitions it's too low proof to be considered a vodka, and with the addition of sugar, it should be classified as a liqueur. However, I'm told that around 19 years ago when hazelnut espresso was first being bottled and sold, it had to go through the regulatory board review process as every distilled spirit in the U.S. does. The Alcohol and Tobacco Tax and Trade Bureau, known as the TTB, is in charge of labeling requirements and, of course, taxation, which is a big deal in the distilled spirits industry. When Ben Distillery was submitting the product for approval and labeling requirements, the category definitions were very broad. There were no specialty spirits categories, and Ben Distillery simply called the hazelnut espresso a vodka. They submitted it as a vodka, and it was approved for labeling as a vodka. So, it's a vodka to this day. I'd bet, though, if this product was created today, it would be labeled as a liqueur. The low proof and the addition of sugar in my book and most definitions I've read really would say that it's a liqueur. But Ben Distillery is never going to resubmit because why would you change it if you've got it as a vodka? Leave it a vodka. One of the big benefits is it is placed with other vodkas on liquor store shelves. So you see it with all the other flavored vodkas. Even though it has sugar, lower proof, it's a vodka. So on to cocktails and consumption. Of course, Liquor in the Core Connoisseur is not intended to be a podcast for cocktails, but I like to feature a notable cocktail or a key drink that a spirit is really known for or associated with. And the Hazelnut Espresso Vodka does not disappoint. While I've been enjoying it neat while recording this podcast, and it is lovely, just neat, or even on the rocks, the drink where this spirit really shines is the Cocoa Puff Martini. The Cocoa Puff Martini was tailor-made for the spirit. It was something they invented at the tasting room at the distillery, and I actually had it at the distillery probably a decade ago. I'll have to find out when I was actually there, and we'll likely find a few photos I'll share on social media. The Cocoa Puff Martini was intended to be a temporary addition to the tasting menu at the distillery, but it was so popular people kept ordering it even off menu, so it became a permanent fixture on the tasting room menu. I've enjoyed one sipped on the patio at the distillery years ago, and I will tell you it was fantastic. I'll share the recipe on show notes on the website. And James, who I interviewed for the backstory of this episode, the national sales manager for Ben Distillery, he tells me that the hazelnut espresso vodka is really good mixed with chai tea. So that's something I will have to try because I enjoy chai tea and I think that the flavors would blend well. 
So in summary, what do I think of the Hazelnut Espresso Vodka? I really enjoy it. It is easy drinking, it's low proof, it mixes very well, it's got a great story. It's sort of a, not quite a hometown hero, but a home state hero for me. It's uh, one of the early flavored vodkas, actually. It's 19 years old, so that's pretty old in the realm of flavored vodkas. And I invite you to find a bottle. If you can get it where you are, seek it out, grab a bottle, enjoy it. It is quite nice. So that's going to do it for this episode of Liquor in the Core Connoisseur. I'm your host, Matt Burchard. Please subscribe and share. Show notes are on liquorinthecoreconnoisseur.com. You can also find the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm also on social media. You can find me active on Instagram and Facebook, occasionally Twitter. Please reach out and leave me your feedback. I really enjoy hearing from my listeners. A number of you have been reaching out with suggestions for future spirits to try and questions that I will address in future episodes. And as always, thank you for listening. 